Hi, everybody. This is Gary Sandy, and thank you very much for listening to the WKRP cast. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say... Weather today in the greater Cincinnati area. Are you awake? Whoa! Are you awake now? But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Say what? Dear God, she's going to kill us all. Welcome to the WKRP cast, a deep dive rewatch podcast, spending time with America's favorite radio station, WKRP in Cincinnati. My name is Alan Stair. And I'm his wife, Donna. This is a week-by-week, episode-by-episode rewatch. We're getting into the trivia, the characters, and the details that have made WKRP one of America's favorite syndicated sitcoms for nearly 40 years. So, fellow babies, don't touch that dial. It's time for the WKRP cast. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. And welcome back to another WKRP cast. Remember, gang, we've got to take the good with the bad. <laughs> so, Donna, what are we talking about this week? Love Returns. Air date November 6th, 1978. Written by Hugh Wilson and Bill Dial. Story editors Tom Chihak, Bill Dial, and Blake Hunter. Directed by Asad Kalada. Andy's former struggling musician girlfriend, now a big country music star, shows up on tour in Cincinnati. The passion is rekindled, and she wants Andy to quit WKRP and join her on tour. Can Andy turn his back on WKRP to chase love? Huh? Huh? Oh, are you all done? Right. Are you done? Are you done? All done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm back. Okay. Hey. All right, guys. Listen up. We got to say something here. We love WKRP. <laughs> we love Gary Sandy. We are going to hack this episode. Just unmercifully be ready oh. for it. All right. We love WKRP, but what happened here? Who knows? Now, I do want to say this is the last episode to air in 1978. And what a horrible thing to oh, go out clunker. on. it's a clunker. It's a clunker. It is. All right. Everybody gets a bad one. Everybody gets a clunker. Even the greatest of all great shows have had clunkers, and this is WKRP's. Now, um, but we are stymied as to yeah. how this happened. And at a at such a pivotal time in the history of the show, too, this is right before they put them on hiatus over the winter. And Hugh Wilson has said if it had not been for Turkeys Away, last week's stellar episode, <laughs> that yes. he really thinks they would have and been this canceled. Is after Turkeys this is after Away turkeys. for crying in a bucket. All right. Oh. Now, now, I think about this. As we've been working on this show, this is the thought I've had. The guy who last week tuned in MASH, because he's a huge MASH fan, and Monday night he tunes in MASH, and he has a great MASH experience, and he's sitting there drinking a beer, and he doesn't change fast enough. Turkey starts, and he stays with it, and he winds up experiencing the greatest 25 minutes of sitcom ever. Yes. He's blown away by it, goes into work on Tuesday, cannot shut up about this amazing show, this WKRP in Cincinnati. Singing its praises to everybody. It's the funniest thing. You've got to watch it, and everybody in his office is geared up for this mess the next Monday. They see love. 
love returns. And it's even written. It's got Bill Dial's oh. name on it, which came up right at the front of Turkey. So everybody's going, oh, good. It's that Bill Dial again. Where was Hugh Wilson? Okay. Where was Hugh Wilson? Now, we've, we've come up with a few uh, theories. There you know, was a, a flu bug. Hugh, Hugh must have been homesick. Hugh was taken hostage and held, yes. and the hostage, the hostage <laughs> thing, it was a king of comedy thing. They wanted to make an episode of WKRP, or and they, they held him. they all came down sick, and some something, high school kids came in and, something. and wrote this. I don't know. No, Hugh was not around during this episode. All right, so I feel just like I need a nap now. Let's, Let's start talking this about with. this. All right, here we go. Scene one. We're backstage. (laughs) No, no, no. We're we're in a a press conference. conference Okay. Now, as this unfolds, this really started out feeling like this might be okay. You know, this press conference with Les, and then immediately it just falls apart. So we see we're at a press conference, and we see this character, Linda Taylor. Uh, she's an up-and-coming country singer played by Barry Youngfellow, and she's being interviewed by reporters while in Cincinnati doing a concert tour. Now, it is most likely it has been intimated by several different places that this name, Linda Taylor, is a combination of two of the greatest folk musicians of the 70s, Linda Ronstadt and James Taylor. Why do we have to drag either of these poor people's names through the mud for this episode? Linda Ronstadt was the greatest female singer of the 70s, and they're doing this to her? Okay. We, so, all right. We got to throttle back the indignation. <laughs> or at least I do. So, the actress, Barry Youngfellow, she um, has 31 acting credits, which, you know, everybody else has had a hundred or more. Hundreds and hundreds. Well, she did all right. I mean, well, now she did have a couple of years on one soap in the early 80s. She, oh, okay. or, or not a, not a soap, a sitcom. So she had that going. So yeah, she did a she did some some biz as an actress. Well, some of those credits they included Law and Order, Murder She Wrote, Three's Company, The Jeffersons, Barney Miller, and WKRP. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, she sent mine uh, a couple of cassette recorders on the table there, which really cracked me yes. up. Yes, let's date this thing, shall we? Now Les is there for the big press conference, and right next to him is a guy who I always associate with like. Southern Senators in Movies. Howard R. Sternworthy, WPIG News, Cincinnati's number one radio station. Right, he's got that air about him. Yeah, it's that... Hugh Gillen is the guy's name. And Hugh, for me, is just always, he's going to be uh, a Southern Senator, or he's going to be some flamboyant attorney in Alabama. That's just who Hugh always plays, and here he is now reporting for the pig. He has 91 acting credits that include the movies Paper Moon, The Big Easy, Airplane 2, Psycho 2, he played Colonel Tom Parker in Elvis and Me, which was the movie based on Priscilla's book. And I imagine he did an excellent job as Colonel Tom Parker. I, I haven't see seen that, that yeah. but yeah, I bet he did a good job. And um, his TV appearances in Matlock, Columbo, The A-Team, several others. Yeah, and he's... He, well, hey, hold on a minute. And now a special look at this episode's bandage placement for the five-time Buckeye NewsHawk Award winner, Les Nessman. This is the Les Nessman Bandage Report. Now, here's Donna Stair with her report about Les Nessman. Back of left hand, 
knuckles. This has been a look at the Vantage Placement for Silver Sow and Copper Cobb award-winning journalist Les Nessman. The Les Nessman Bandage Report brought to you each and every WKRP cast because it is quite possible Richard Sanders is working for Band-Aid. We're not sure. Huh. Yeah, but if you if you look at this one, he's got like it, the, ba- the it tape goes between his fingers. Woven through the fingers. Almost it's- like it's on the palm of his hand or something i'm not sure yeah but, but. where where the actual uh injury is you can't mm-hmm. even really tell from this one but uh i don't know i wasn't even i wasn't even motivated to come up with a backstory for les's bandage on this <laughs> oh, man, uh, this episode bad. so i'm really depressed that's pretty bad well les introduces himself and he asks linda taylor what instrument do you play everybody kind of starts shouting less down because linda's a singer and it's like you don't know anything nesman but then linda kind of saves less i'm a singer but i play the guitar for relaxation so we're feeling okay about linda she kind of saved less from being embarrassed there now this sternworthy and that's hugh gillen's character we didn't say that name yeah 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 Hugh, hugh gillen that we talked about is sternworthy from the pig. W-P-I-G, yeah. yeah. Then he stands up and asks this question about a relationship with a senator from a major Midwestern state. Well, what he's implying there, uh, because we're messing around with Linda Ronstadt uh, with the whole Linda Taylor thing, Linda Ronstadt was having a relationship with Jerry Brown, governor of California, through a large chunk of the 70s. And you might remember uh, Gary Brown threw his hat in the ring. He was a Democratic presidential candidate in 76. Uh, Linda Ronstadt, although associated with a lot of different folks and actually through most of the 80s was engaged to George Lucas of Star Wars fame, she never married. Never. That's Linda Ronstadt we're talking about, not Linda Taylor. Now, Linda Taylor had a fling, we find out now, with one Andy Travis. Yes, which immediately I was just like, what? Yeah, there are just so many ways in this show that they make us just dislike this woman. And here's right. number one. Andy enters the room in the back and they start making cow eyes at each other. Yes, he he walks in the back and all of a sudden she's so flustered and, and she can't answer any questions. She's looking at Andy and Andy's looking at her. And, and we, we, we like Andy. We like Gary Sandy, Andy Travis, just the whole amalgamation of that personality. And I, you don't know kind of where Gary ends and Andy starts, and but they're just likable. Andy and Gary, this both seem like likable guys. So you want to like him, and he's making these eyes in the back and these all this facial acting going on. And it went on a little too long. And Les is stammering over a question he's trying to ask, which is just giving us filler for these two to be making eyes back and forth. And so much of this episode feels like filler. Filler. Yeah. Just wasting time, wasting film. Yeah. But Les, (laughs) Les, (laughs) wasting tape. Well, (laughs) thankfully they weren't wasting film because (laughs) of the whole music rights thing. But then Les jumps up and he finally gets his question out. Um, Here it is. Mr. Taylor, did you know the late Elvis Presley? (laughs) And she doesn't. And Les even seems... He's not even his normal self in this episode. confused. So many of the characters seem alien in this episode. They're not acting the way we're expecting them to act. The things that they do, the things that they say are so uncharacteristic of how we have come to know them and expect them to be. Yeah. So, and then Sternworthy goes into some question that's like a payola thing about the record industry being investigated and who knows. It's all about the eye nookie going on between Nancy and Linda. (laughs) 
Yeah, make big cow eyes. And so yeah. anyway, she starts to leave. They start to usher her out, and Andy gets to her before she gets out of the room. And yeah, well, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, it has. Well, listen, can we get together for a coffee or something yeah, while you're here? Are you kidding? Of course. This is before Starbucks. I don't know where they're going. Well, a little diner. You have to there find were, someplace. There were yeah. little diners before Starbucks, <laughs> you know. And then, oh, and I want to point somebody out real fast. We're not going to oh, talk yes, about yes, him yes, here. Yes, yes, yes. We're not going to talk about him here, but the tall kind of lanky guy with the uh, blonde hair named Ray. His character name, Ray. Character name is Ray. Far and away, the most interesting part of this episode, but we're not going to tell you why until the end, so stick around, okay? Les throws in this last Snooky Lanson question. Right, yeah. He asks Linda Taylor, hey, do you know Snooky Lanson? Now, Snooky, no wingy maroon, but or Wingy Manone, but we had to go. We had to Wingy Manone. Wingy Manone. Snooky's no Wingy, but we had to go. We had to go find out about Snooky. So what did we find out about Snooky? Snooky was a singer, and he was born in 1914, named Roy Landman. And I'm glad of that because if Snooky's parents named him Snooky, I was worried about them. So his name was Roy. That's a little better. Right. He sang in a band, and he also sang for Soundies, or that's what they called musical films. He replaced Frank Sinatra in Your Hit. Parade in 1950 on the radio, he made the transition to TV. Now, this Your Hit Parade was a weekly music show, but unlike what we think of as music shows where recorded music is played, like, you know, Casey Kasem's Top 40 Countdown and you're hearing yeah, the hit. this was live. This was done live, mm-hmm. and there was a cast of singers, Snooky was one of them, they would perform the current week's hits each week on this show, Your Hit Parade. So Snooky was one of the guys singing on that. Snooky Lanson introduces the beautiful song making its first appearance on the survey, Young at Heart. And Snooky was, well, shall we say, smooth. Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you if you're young at heart. That's a little bit of Snooky right there. Now, uh, interesting note, um, just going trivia, trivia begets trivia begets trivia. On your hit parade in the 1950s when Snooky was on there, the floor manager of your hit parade was none other than Mr. Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers uh-huh. was, was working floor manager. So he's the guy that had the little headphones on standing by the camera, and when it was time to go on, he pointed at the talent. We did discover a possible Hugh Wilson connection. You remember right. Hugh Wilson is from Atlanta. Right, and Snooky later performed in Atlanta in the late 1950s in nightclubs and local TV shows. So, you know, maybe Hugh knew of Snooky and had to get a little something in there, but I still question whether Hugh Wilson had anything to do with this episode. All right, so after this first scene, I already hate Linda Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like her already. She's making cow eyes at Andy. Leave him alone. That's right. Andy's ours, man. You can't be stealing Andy away. (laughs) So we move on into Mr. Carlson's office. And again, the alien pod people have taken over all of our regular KRP casters. Les is whining to Mr. Carlson about getting a traffic copter. Because WPIG's getting one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know Les has always wanted a traffic copter, but he's gotten by with the whole beating on his chest thing. It works. The traffic today is light to heavy. A lot of So, you know, he can do that. Whiny, 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 yeah. whine. Yeah, and and what it feels like. And when we came out of that first scene and we saw what it was, this love story, it feels like, boy, there's no A story here. So 
they're just going to pile on the B stories. We've got less now with his traffic helicopter than Johnny Burson. Right. Johnny Burson, because they're having a win a date with a DJ contest, and Johnny wants no part of it. I am a DJ. I'm not a prize. Johnny's in there protesting, and suddenly we realize Johnny's holding the airwaves of WKRP hostage. We're in a meeting here, Fever. Okay, hurry it up, will you? I'm on the air. And this concerns Mr. Carlson. What? What? Now, you've got a record on, don't you? Suddenly, less isn't as important. Uh, Mr. Carlson's walking over going, Johnny, Johnny, something's rolling, right? Yeah, and after he says he's on the air, he goes over and sits down. He's going to wait for his turn to talk. Uh, And then Les is wanting to fly the helicopter, and I don't know. This is just a mess. So Johnny threatens Carlson, again, a union reference here, that he says he's going to strike. And he comes up with, off the top of his head, the most bizarre and absurd name of any union I have ever heard of. You ready? What is this one again? The UBAMDTDJ of A. Yeah. Put that on the on the membership Which stands card. For the United Brotherhood of AM Drive Time Disc Jockeys of America. He threatened Carlson. He said, "You'll be hearing from them." So Art just folds immediately. Says, eh, "Okay, no contest." He just cancels the contest. Doesn't check with anybody. I don't think that's going to work. Well, Les thinks they that's a pretty good idea. Um, so he threatens to strike if he doesn't get his helicopter. And he brings up that, uh, haven't you ever heard of the National Newsman's Guild or whatever? Again, it just, this feels so forced and it feels so, there were no laughs there. To, in that whole scene, just nothing. Yeah. Johnny tried a couple of things. When he whipped out that abbreviation, that was funny. But so well, and much then of this. saying he's a DJ, not a prize, that was kind that of was, funny. That was good. That was good. And, and a lot of this, I feel like. You get some of these flares from Howard Hessman and some of these flares from Tim Reed, and it just feels like some of these guys, even when the material's bad, they're still going to work. They're going to try to make it and deliver it for you, but man. But the main part of this show, there just wasn't enough to make a story. Not a lot there. All right, here's my own. I'm going to go get a drink or something. Walking in the park. Is it over yet? <sighs> Tell me when it's over. Oh, all right. Let's go back to the lobby now, shall we? Oh, boy. We don't even get to issue a, an alert on Herb. No, he's wearing a, a do-over. <laughs> um, the dark blue with the tan suede patch over the right shoulder and We're elbow We're hacking this patches. episode apart. <laughs> it's like, come on, Herb, you could have at least given us an outfit here. Go dig deep, Herb. Get a coat, oh. man. And then he, okay, now Herb. This is way out of character. Way, way out of character. We're not happy with Herb. Herb is the master of the sly come on. Herb is the master of the innuendo, the double entendre. Herb does not come out and go, hey, you want to go to a movie? That's what he did. (laughs) You want to go see a cat from outer space? Come on, Herb. Well, and he had it all figured out. We'll go. Oh, and this is gross. Just a bunch of kids there. Nobody will know us. And and he had it all. You know, usually he goes up and he says, hey, Jennifer, you want to go to? No, Herb. Okay. And he backs off. Yeah, you want to go to lunch? No. And then he's out of the way. This was creepy. He just goes on. It wasn't the way I think Herb would have handled it. It's not Herb. What have they done with Herb? Where is our Herb? I, I don't know. 
Who? I don't know. <laughs> All right. And real quickly, aye, aye, aye. The Cat from Outer Space is not a joke. It was a real movie starring Ken Berry, Sandy Duncan, Roddy McDowell, Harry Morgan, and McLean Stevenson. Right, big names. Big, big names. names. It was a Walt, it was a Walt Disney. Disney production. Yes. An alien cat needs help to get back home because it crashes its spaceship. Yes. And it's a real cat that talks. Yeah. Uh, Sandy Duncan and Ken Berry are scientists. Harry Morgan is a general, and I don't, but it was... And they run into their spies. This is just the hokiest kids movie. It was hot that summer of 78. It had big name people in it. But, oh, her asking Jennifer to sneak around at a kids movie was just... Blah. No, Blah. no. All right, so then Andy and, like Lind, Andy and Linda come in. And Andy's hat is perched up so high on top of his head. You can't mess up his feathered hair. It's sitting up there on it. Yeah, it's just perched up there. And I said, oh, my gosh, it's Woody from Toy Story. It is practically floating above it, his head. It, it cracks me up. I mean, he's having to balance it. It's not on there. He's got to be careful. Hey, hey, Buzz, come on. Let's go to the station. To infinity and beyond. All right, now let's talk about how Herb acts when he meets Linda Taylor, this country singer. All right, prior to seeing this scene, if I were to say, hey, this really hot female singer is going to come into WKRP, and Herb Tarlick is a big fan of this woman, how would Herb react to that go? Oh, he would be cool and collected and introduce himself as the sales representative. He would try to be totally unflustered. He would present himself as Mr. Suave. Oh, yes. Suave. And, and, well, and then and then once she was gone, then he would probably yeah. faint. Yeah, then he you'd see that drop to one knee. But not in front knee. of her. You know, you know, if you've listened to any other episode of this podcast, I love Frank Bonner. Frank Bonner is, is this whole series for me. I love the man. This is not the writing for Herb. This is not giving Frank Bonner the material that he needs to be Herb. Coming off of Turkey's Away Mm -hmm. and that scene in Mr. Carlson's office where Mr. Carlson says, Herb, you're going to be right there by my side. And Frank does that subtle, that incredible little bit of that well up. facial acting there. Oh, and you got so much. Oh, so much out of this incredibly subtle little move that he did. It meant so much to him for Carlson to say that. And it was so much more powerful than any of this mess where he's running around yes. the lobby and screaming about Linda more Taylor. Than what anybody could have written. Oh, yeah. It, and to, to have him doing all this garbage running around here well, acting well, like just, a wild man. It's play some of how he acted. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's just kind of embarrassing. You're the singer. It's Linda Taylor. Nice to meet you. Heard oh! <laughs> in charge of sales around here. Hey, big guy! It's Linda Taylor! It's Linda Taylor. What is all the yelling about? Well, Jennifer, it's Linda Taylor standing over there with what's-his-name, see her? This is Jennifer Marlowe, our receptionist. Hi. No! And not for a minute am I blaming Frank Bonner. Frank's got to work with what's on the page. It's the writers. What the heck? I'm Bill Dial. After after Hugh said Bill only wrote that one line about the Humane Society and Turkey's Away, now I'm wondering, are we seeing Bill Dial here? I don't know. Is this Bill Dial really it, writing a show? It, it might be. It and might it, be. But why? Okay. When you put Bill Dial's name on as a writer of this show, you got to remember how Bill Dial wound up where he is. Bill Dial was working at radio stations in Atlanta with Hugh Wilson. Hugh Wilson has said, when I got on at Mary Tyler Moore, I felt like somebody had let me in the door to Hollywood, and I felt like I had to open it up and let some friends in behind me, and Bill was one of those ah. friends. 
Bill is not a comedy writer. He's no. not somebody that has, you know, made his bones and really, really gotten his chops in the writer's rooms, working his way up the way a lot of these other guys have. Bill showed up from Atlanta with Hugh, and Hugh had this in his head. Hugh had this natural talent and ability and humor, and I just don't think Bill had it. Well, remember in Turkey's Away where Venus says, we've got to stop Carlson before he promotes yeah. again. They've got to stop Bill before, before he, he writes, writes again. again. Yes, <laughs> if, if Bill, this was Bill, Bill's great on throwing in the lines and being the story editor and maybe adding a, a funny one here and there. But when it comes to structuring a show, I don't know that that's there. And you know, we're we're assuming a lot here, but just based on what we've seen up to now and then this, it really has that feeling. Yeah, but I just don't see Herb losing it. No, like he did no. here. No, I, that's just not her. It just no. it, and and like you say, it was just a little embarrassing to see Frank Bonner have to do that. Yeah, and then when yeah. he runs over, the phone rings, and he runs over and picks it up and, scream, and screams. That, <laughs> it's Linda Taylor. Would Jennifer ever ask Herb to do her a favor, where now she is in some way beholden to him for anything? Of course not. Well, because earlier she said she had to go deliver some mail, and could he watch the phone? Herb watch the phones for her while she was gone. She would never. Ever, she would call somebody from another floor in the <laughs> Flem building. Now she owes him. Now yeah. she owes him a favor. She'd never do that. And right. so much of this, you just if you tear tear it apart the slightest little bit, it doesn't fit. Well, let's move on to Andy's yeah, let's office. Get to Andy's office. <laughs> Venus, though Venus comes through with his outfit. Oh, baby! And when we first saw this, I looked at this and I said, Venus is in an entirely another show. He is like a villain in a James Bond film. Man. Right, or some kind of secret agent. International or secret sharp. agent. Got yeah. that scarf around his neck, and he just, he looks sharp. All right, so we've got this B story, story or C story, or D story, or I whatever it is. There, on, it's, yeah. there are so many of them piled on here. It's the whole DJ, date with a DJ thing, and now they're going through the letters. Yeah, Venus is trying to talk him into it. To, to get a date with the DJ, you Talking Johnny to, into it. Yeah, Johnny. Uh, to, yeah, Venus is trying to talk Johnny into it because Johnny still isn't sold on the idea. Come on, man, I've done it before, and I've always come out with a fox. Yeah, I've done it before, too. I always wind up with a warthog. Now, Venus is all on board with this. He's he's loving the idea. Right, and, and, and to get a date with the DJ, you were supposed to write on the back of a postcard why you want to have a date with Venus and or not and with Venus or Johnny. <laughs> I don't know, though. Some of what is being written on some of those cards, it may be and or. So write in. Tell tell why you want to date one of these guys and they're going to pick a winner. Yeah. and Two uh, winners, one for each guy. And OK, so then we've got Howard Hessman and Tim Reed stepping over to and again, we're in Andy's office, stepping over to Andy's desk and they start going through these letters together. Mm -hmm. This was fun. This was fun yeah. because it was Tim Reed and Howard Hessman. And it was at the radio station about a radio story. Right, right. And, and that's the other thing about this that bugs the heck out of me. When you break down the word sitcom, sitcom means situation comedy. It means creating comedy in a certain situation. The situation WKRP is in is being at a radio, radio station. station. Thank you. Yes, not being out in the park walking around with your, your girlfriend. That's not WKRP. So when we're in the station, I'm much more comfortable and to have, you know, Venus and Johnny going through this, I could watch Howard Hessman and Tim Reed read the phone yeah. book. So, I mean, those guys make anything interesting. They're having some fun with this. So they go through and start making their piles, uh, and Venus is having some hits. <laughs> Venus is finding some potentials. I've always wanted to find out what's behind that sexy voice I hear every night. <laughs> 
This is what we'll call the A pile. Depending on what is written on the card determines if it goes in the A pile or the B pile or in Venus's breast pocket. Kind of the A-plus pile, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where that one goes. So he explains to, to Johnny, you've got to read them and pick them out by what they say. <laughs> Reading between the lines, some of them a little overt. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so while they're doing this, Andy and Linda uh, enter. And all the air went out of the scene. It, when Andy like and Linda walked in, it just to the fun went out of the room. flat. Everything yeah. went flat. So we find out that uh, Andy and Linda, they met in Santa Fe before she became famous. You mentioned, uh, what's going on with her teeth? I, yeah, her teeth you know, bug me. They're not terrible. It's, they're, it's a, her front two front yeah, middle teeth. They're, for just normal people walking around in general society, they're fine. They're fine. But if you're going to be on TV, maybe spend a couple of grand and have them, have them tightened up there. I, I don't know. It's pick on Linda Day, all right? And I mentioned this before. I'm a natural redhead. And when I saw her, she puts redheads to shame. Well, and we were... Why'd I'm, she have to be a redhead? You're not sure if she might be natural redhead. I don't, you don't, you don't I know? I don't know. Could be. I know. It looks a little too bright for me. I mean, well, you know, and I, I li- living the whole life with you as a redhead, I know what a natural redhead, you know, the nice highlights and everything. And hers just looks a little brassy. So. I, I, no, she's not natural. There you go. All right. All right. Just putting that out there. <laughs> All right. So anyway, Bailey. And we need another, another story. We need another story. Could we please pile another story on? Nothing about this episode is interesting. So if we just keep piling more storylines on, maybe we'll find something interesting. <laughs> But so it's now, not working. So we kind of get the idea. Okay, so Bailey kind of must like Andy. He's as pretty in person as she is on the album covers. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. A little bit of jealousy there, yeah. Now, Johnny grabs a handful of letters. Venus has convinced him that maybe he ought to give this a shot. The way I see it, what I'm looking for is something well-written and sincere and hopefully obscene. But we know it's not going to work out for Johnny, Venus obviously. Venus he always ends up with a hot Yeah, Venus, hot date Venus has no this. trouble with this at all, although Johnny just is going into it with a negative attitude, so you know it's not going to come off well. Okay, let's move over to Andy's apartment oh, now. do we have to? We, we have to, and we start off with... I when the music started, I immediately blurted out, <laughs> "It is Zamfir, master of the pan flute." Remember those uh. commercials? You've heard his hauntingly beautiful music in movies, on radio and TV. He's sold over twenty million records round the world. His name is Zamfir, master of the pan flute. That magical instrument with the unforgettable sound. Those commercials yeah. were better for comedians than they were for the music industry. <laughs> I heard more comedy bits about Zomfear, and there were more parodies done about Zomfear. I don't think anybody ever bought that stupid album, but Zomfear... And this sounds like it. It oh. really does. <laughs> so the we best go to Andy's apartment. The yeah. about the show, and you were saying it was Ray, who we're going to talk about later. I wanted more Pecos Bill. More Pecos Bill. We get to meet Andy's dog, Pecos Bill. But before we get to that, okay, so Andy takes Linda to his apartment, and when we go in, not only does Andy have his office walls covered with posters, he's got posters on his apartment wall, too. Yeah, we've got uh, Little Avis, and that I had that album. That is Elvis Live at Madison Square Garden that you're looking at right to the left of Andy's door. Mm-hmm. And what the heck is he doing with a pillow on the floor? Huh? I don't know. There's a, a long like body pillow laying on the floor in front of the couch. It was there when they walked in. 
So I don't does he yeah, have back it, problems? Had, does he have to lay down? Does to... he lay in front of the fire? But he said he doesn't even know if the fireplace works. So he's not even laying in front of the fire. It might just be because he's moving in. I, I don't know. Yeah, but in this scene, Andy's outfit. Did he, you want to talk about that? Well, <laughs> he takes off his coat and it becomes really obvious he's wearing this maroon vest with a white shirt. And I wanted to ask him what the wine list was tonight. He, he, got he, song, like got he looked like a waiter. At a, at a fine restaurant. He really had that look to him, you know, that the. Uh, he was right. And he goes and gets some wine. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, he takes Linda's coat off of her and has, tells her to right. make herself comfortable. He's going to go get some wine. And everything about this feels like filler. Linda goes over and she takes forever going through the pictures on Andy's mantle and she picks up this picture and then she asks him if that's her. When uh, is, is this a picture of me? Is that me? When have you ever seen yourself in an old picture and not known it's you? Exactly. And you get a, a look at the picture a little bit. It's a picture of two people standing close together and it's obviously Andy and her. The woman did a lot of drugs in the 60s. She has no memory. <laughs> talk, talk it out, man. Does not know. That might be me. I don't know. Oh, and they start to reminisce, and yeah. and you've got the music in the background. Now, and... really, I'm thinking Pecos looking at him. We're thinking Pecos is probably a collie and looks maybe three or four years old, and they're reminiscing about finding Pecos. It sounds like Pecos ought to be like 20 with the, right. the way they're reminiscing. Right, Pecos, Bill. They and they said that they found him on Mount Baldy, and there's a Mount Baldy in California, and there's also one in Arizona. Okay, yes, this is how bored we were with this episode. <laughs> we went looking for Mount Baldy. Let's see where Mount Baldy is. Yeah, please, anything. All right, so Mount Baldy in California is like a 13-hour drive from them, and it is just north of L.A. I don't think they're finding any stray dogs there. Mount Baldy in Arizona... Only about a three-hour drive, not too far away for them. So uh, something that they could possibly have done. Now, we also, out of sheer boredom, looked up Pecos Bill. Yeah, I remember Pecos Bill as being like a cartoon or something and an, uh, a made-up character when I was a kid. And what we found out is he's kind of on the same lines as Paul Bunyan, John Henry. There are tall tales about Pecos Only he's a Bill. cowboy. He's he's a fictional cowboy. He's a cowboy, right. Paul Bunyan, the lumberjack, John Henry, the steel-driving man, and Pecos Bill, a fictional cowboy, a tall tale. And uh, they, they called him uh, fake something. Fake lore. Fake lore. That's Instead what I was trying to think. Folklore. Instead of folklore, it was fake lore. The man who created the original Pecos Bill uh, stories claimed that they were something that he had heard as folklore down through, but come to find out he'd actually entirely made them up. They were completely his own fabrication, so he created a new genre called fake lore. So that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to find something, really. We're working <laughs> on it. Disney did a movie about Pecos Bill, and then I think there were some other people that did All right, movies so, and stuff. So Linda asks Andy... To, oh, come with me. Yes, yes, and and angry face. Yeah, I yeah. In the notes here, I made an angry, yes, it, a typed big in angry face. Angry face. Now she I, tells him she wants to get their special relationship back, and oh, how much she needs him. And, and then there's all kind of mushy kissing, goopy goo goo. And and I I gotta tell you, all right, I'm a man in his mid fifties, but I'm still watching this episode as the 14 year old kid who saw it the first time and went, Ew, yeah, what yeah. are they doing? All right, now I, <laughs> something, I, and we'll, we'll throw a little TV criticism analysis in here. All television sitcoms are families, according to some TV critics, mm -hmm. whether it's 
Taxi or Night Court or whatever or group Mash it is or, or Mash. It's Mary what, Tyler Moore. Whatever the assemblage is, whether it's at work or at war or wherever it might be, everybody's a family. This woman is coming in and trying to take Big Brother away from the family. So, of course, everyone watching now hates her. Don't break up with the family. So this is just terrible. That yeah, she leave would, him alone. Yeah, that get she, back on your bus and get out of town. It's Linda. like everything they've done to structure this episode is dislike this woman and be unhappy about what's going on. Yeah, I, I started looking at her and started hating everything about her. <sighs> oh, her hair. Her her head's too big for the rest of her body. <laughs> and, and her whole attitude, that's not somebody that Andy would like. Andy wouldn't like somebody that, that bossy. Alright, alright, alright. So okay. so we leave, the, we leave the kissing and the smushing and the smooching and the whatever is going Yay, on. Hey, let's get back to the studio. Oh, we're in the studio, yeah. And, we've and Johnny's got... playing a Ray Charles yeah. tune, uh, You 20th Century Fox. Oh, but what's so Johnny doing? Well, I think Brother Ray put his finger right on it that time, fellow babies. And against the doctor's better judgment, it's time to announce my winner on the big KRP date with a DJ contest. Tommy's announcing his date with a DJ. No. Yeah. Johnny. Well, well, I mean, he's decided to go along with it and it might work out this time. Who knows? And the winner is, be still my heart, Miss Kim Northrup of Mount Adams. Congratulations, Kim. I'll see you tonight, you lucky dog, you. Make that lucky girl. All right, so he announces that he has made his selection. Now, Johnny is making this selection based on whatever message is written on that card in front of him. And he has announced his winner is a Miss Kim Northrup of Mount Adams. And remember uh, in the scene before when they were in Andy's office a couple of scenes before, he was wa- hoping to find something a little obscene. Yeah, because that's what Venus was coming up with. Yeah. So that's what Johnny's obviously coming up with, and that's what he was searching for. So, so this must be it. And then he goes out of this scene with Beast of Burden by the Rolling Stones, and well, I was like, is that all that's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Okay, wait a minute. Mount Adams. He, this woman's from Mount Adams. Let's check that out. Yeah, because just again, out of sheer boredom. Mount Adams. Mount Adams. <laughs> well, you want me to say it? Or I'll do it. No. Okay. <laughs> you need help with this, dear? All right. Mount Adams. That's my maiden name. I, know I can't it, believe I you can't couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> Mount Adams is a neighborhood in Cincinnati. It is known for Eden Park, which is one of Cincinnati's finest parks. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is the park. Let's tie it back to a better episode where the Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park is located, which is that t-shirt that we saw still currently the tightest t-shirt Andy has worn yeah, yet in the show. Yeah, it must have been a kid's size. It was kid sizes, him. obviously. So that's where Cincinnati Playhouse yeah. in the Park is located, is in the Mount Adams neighborhood. And it neighborhood also has an art Eden museum, Park. so it's a nice it's a nice neighborhood. It's going to be a, a nice girl oh, coming it's for a, Johnny. It's a historic neighborhood. It's yeah. very, yeah, so yeah. going to be just really great, right? No, of course not. We know that. <laughs> Just put big bells on it and send it out on Main Street. We know what's going to happen. So, all right. So, let's go to Andy's office. Here comes Bailey. Johnny finally went along with the contest. He just announced his winner. <laughs> Some girl named Kim Northrup. And she repeats the name. In case we didn't catch it when Johnny said it, she repeats it again. The winner's name is Kim. A girl named Kim Northrup. Could be a guy named Kim, though. Oh, could it? No, that couldn't be. <laughs> oh. And before she leaves the room, she says, so uh, have you had a chance to see Linda again? Green is not a good color on Bailey. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, have you gotten a chance to see Linda again? 
every night. Well, good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now we go to Carlson's office. And All here right. comes whiny, whiny Les again. More whiny Les. He wants a siren for his mobile news unit. Okay, so, okay, Les is not the most manliest of men, but he's not a whiny guy. He has he has a certain bearing about him. He's not the most imposing okay. uh, or, or masculine of men, but Les has a presence. Les has a sense of self and of, of confidence within his lessness. He's got some pride, He's man. got a lot of pride. He yeah. would not be doing this whiny thing. Can and I a, have a siren if a, I can? Again, the can pod go. people have come in and taken mm-hmm. our KRP regulars. Where if are they? If he can't they? have a helicopter, can he at least have a siren for his yes. mobile news unit? If I can't have a siren, can I at least have a flashing red light? Please, please, please. Yeah. <sighs> but when he asks for a siren for his mobile news unit, Carlson returns with... Why do you want a siren for a motor scooter? Now, is this when we first find out, Les... Rides a motor scooter. I, this is the first reference to that, isn't it? I think that's the first it? reference. Okay. And I can see us riding a motor scooter. Oh, that's yeah. believable. I yeah. like that. I think I maybe have even referenced Les earlier on being on his scooter because I knew he had a scooter. So, yeah, but this is, I think, our first reference to it in the show. Andy comes into Carlson's office and Les is gone. Andy says, Mr. Carlson, I, I need to talk. All right. And it's real serious. Andy's. Andy's playing brooding now. He's playing, he's he's torn, and he's worried. And what I'm thinking is there are no stakes at all. This is the seventh episode of a brand new series. The star, the guy who gets his name before the credits at the beginning of it, <laughs> is not leaving. We know that we know already. Uh, look, Mr. Carlson, I need to talk with someone. Well, of course, Andy. Uh, what can I do to help you? Well, I've been thinking about... Uh, about... Uh, what? Making a, a decision. Gordon Jump is not the calm dispenser of wisdom that we saw, like at the end of Hoodlum Rock, when they had that nice little interaction there in the dressing room, right, and you felt right. that sense of camaraderie. It's not there with this. This is too forced. It is. It's really forced. So we do have a reference, though. This is a first reference, I think, to Art's wife, Carmen. Right. But but Carlson says, okay, so are you in love? I think so. And is she in love with you? I think so. I think so. Well, think. Okay. Well, okay, that nope. Sorry. <laughs> Not good enough. This is what you're going to throw away your new career that you're starting with the new radio station that you've moved halfway across the country to be there. And you're going to go with a woman you think you're in love with. She might love me. I don't know. Yeah. That's not a basis for all the things he's considering right. doing here. So now Art mentions, and and again, they give us a little something that we go, yeah, that's nice. And then they take it away from us. Art mentions he's been married for 27 years to Carmen. Andy thanks him about it. And it's making Andy think. Nothing is this like true love. True Nothing love. Nothing more important. Than and then, true Art's, love. then Art sits down in his chair and does this little crying. 27 years. <laughs> it didn't fit. They give us this. And then take it away. They give us this sense of, oh, he loves his wife and he's got a successful relationship and they're happily married. And then they take it right back at and the he's end. he's holding his head and shaking it. Yeah. Why do that to us? God, let's go to the uh, lobby. Let's go out. Okay. To, okay. So Andy, wandering around, moping, sad sack. You know what's been going on now for about seven minutes in the show? Not a single no laugh. No laughs. No laughs. Occasionally, you hear the audience moan. 
So Andy wanders out into the lobby, and now he's wanting some coffee. And Jennifer, again, what'd they do with our Jennifer? You're going to have to make the choice. Just be sure that you choose what's right for Andy Travis in the long run. This is kind of to thine own self be true. It's nothing profound. Right. It's right. just, you know, do what's right for you. That's a bumper sticker. It's what Andy needed to hear at that time. I guess. I won out on this one, but we're, we're going. Herb's coming in. We're getting at least one fashion alert All in right. this episode. Okay, yes, here we go. have one. Herb Darling, fashion alert. Blue jacket with dark blue lines that make it look like a map of a subdivision. It really does. Like the streets got, and the blocks. It's got this look like you can point out where your house is like there on, yeah. on, on Herb's right chest. There he's. <laughs> and the tie looks velvety. It's black with silver diamond shapes. Very geometric. It, it looks like it's out of focus, which gives it this kind of velvet, soft look. I don't know. And then some shimmery blue pants right. to the bottom They of do it. have a sheen to them. Yeah, there, it Really, there's a sense of a gothic look to this outfit. I don't know why. I think it's the purple and the black. and But for some reason, it feels like something from the late 1800s. Yeah, we got a little a little fashion alert, but still, used more. that's not Herb Tarlick wearing Herb's clothes. Who is that man? I don't know, because the stuff that comes out of his mouth is not Herb. Yeah. You know what is not a good look on Herb? Jealousy is not a good look on Herb. No. He comes out now after Andy and Jennifer have had this conversation. He hears the tail end of it, and now we've got jealous Herb. What was that? That you gave to Travis. That he... Uh... <laughs> Needed. And I'm just like, wow, who, who's this guy? Yeah, it's not her. So, all right, let's get to the end of this thing. We, we're about to get to Ray. Finally. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, now we're out of the radio station. We're back out of the radio station in Linda's dressing room. So much of the time this episode we have spent out of the radio station, and I think that's a bad move. Actual cheesy transition music from the episode. Well, Linda's running around. It's right before her concert, right before she goes on. She's nervous, ordering people around. She's wearing these leather pants and a shimmery green blouse. Which... And having her hair worked on by a hair person who she keeps brushing away. She keeps throwing... Like a moth or yeah, like yeah. a gnat. Yeah, she's brushing she them away. coming back. They keep chasing her around the room. And then after she runs everybody out, she starts combing her hair. Stop messing with your hair, Linda. Fake red hair. Yeah, that's fake red hair. <laughs> all right, all right. Let, let us talk about Ray. The tall, lanky guy with the blonde hair that we pointed out earlier is Ray. She's kind. Of, he's kind of like her right hand man. He's yeah. He's the if she wants water, he'll get it. Top and roadie he keeps guy. Keeps her safe and cha- gets people away from her. He's he's welcoming Andy onto the tour because he thinks he's coming with them. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. So this guy is Mickey McMeal. Now he has also been known as Mick. And he goes pretty extensively by the name Turkey when he is a part of Captain Cool, Captain and, the cool and the Kongs. I'm All with a K. All with it, which was probably a bad choice. But yeah, the KKK. Yeah. yeah. Whoop. Captain Cool and the Kongs mm-hmm. was a manufactured band created by a couple of insane guys named Sid, their brothers, Sid and Marty Croft. And if you remember H.R. Puffin stuff or the banana splits, I was fans of all of that stuff. H.R. Puffin stuff. Those were creations of Sid and Marty Croft. And actually, as we've been looking into Sid and Marty Croft, I realize now how much of my childhood was 
influenced by these two nutballs. The Saturday morning kids programs. Oh. Back in the day when it, the kids programs were only on Saturdays. <laughs> 6 a.m. to noon was when everything was happening on a Saturday morning. And so much of what I used to watch and love, I have since found out, was a creation of Sid and Marty Croft. And it, it was the stuff that stood out as just really weird but cool to a kid. They yeah, had that, they had big colors. H.R. Puffin Stuff. Who's your friend when things get rough? H.R. Puffin Stuff. Can't do a little because you can't do enough. They did Wonder Bug was one of their shows. Wonder Bug. I remember watching that on Saturday morning. These guys were nuts. It was intimated that they got their ideas from dropping LSD. Oh. They both have said doing what we have done in our lives would be impossible if we were walking around stoned. We're just weird. They <laughs> really are heads. weird. So anyway, they created this band to go on one of their programs. Now, they had several different programs, which they produced, again, the Hugh Wilson Connection out of Atlanta. This band, Captain Cool and the Kongs, featured on drums. Man's name is? Mickey McMeal, extra drummer of Three Dog Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey knows that. What was the character's name he plays? He plays Turkey. Mr. Mick Turkey McMeal, who was a legitimate rock and roll drummer. He had played drums for Three Dog Night. I have had more fun finding information about Captain Cool and the Kongs than I did anything to do with this episode. I found a half-hour concert. You saved me and you A lot of their songs were written by the Osmonds. Actually, Captain Cool and the Kongs appeared on the Donnie and Marie show. They were on the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. This is Linda's tour manager and probably the most exciting thing happening in this episode. Yes. So she's wanting some sparkling water and he takes off to find it. Yeah, Ray does. Yeah, Ray he's does. out of there. Andy. Oh, <laughs> oh what's the makeup? Mm. Okay, everybody, clear off, please. And uh, she is under the impression that, okay, he's coming with me after the show. He's going to leave with me. And she starts talking. Have you talked to the people at the station? Great, great. Okay, because you're coming with me. But she keeps cutting him off. and okay, She doesn't now, let him say what he needs to say. Well, and I think Andy has made a really bad choice trying to have this conversation five minutes before, before the woman was on, walking on right. you know, in front of thousands of screaming fans. She's thinking about other things, but she is really steamrolling him through this conversation. She's not letting him finish his sentences. She's assuming a lot of things. So. But yeah, and this is where I really got the sense that she's really bossy. She's not really nice to the people that work for her. And Andy would not date a girl like that. I think Andy was remembering this uh, relationship through rose-colored glasses. I think maybe it's the fact that it was something that he remembers from Santa Fe. Code and Chrome. Yeah, exactly. Everything's better in black and white. And now that he's in the new place, and it's just, it's a it's a feeling of home or a feeling of a happy time in the past, and maybe she wasn't quite as great a 
a date as he remembers. So. But speaking of a date. Venus enters with his date. Very cute. Very styling. And absolutely no credit on no her. Because she doesn't say anything. Well, she does say hi or does something she, like that. I thought she just smiled and nodded. I don't, because uh, I think if she said I hi, then she suddenly she has to get her name in the credits. Yeah, I think she says <laughs> Did she? All right. Well, I'm gonna go, we better re that Yeah, we'll go that check part. on that. See if I'm that, not watching that whole no, show again. No, no. But <laughs> I'll, I'll pull a clip. We'll play it. Okay, so we were curious enough about whether or not Venus's date actually said anything that we went back and looked at it. <laughs> and I would have put money down on it that she said hi or hello. Well, you know what? You are like about... 70% of the way there, she mouths the word hi and waves Does with a the fingers. Finger, finger wiggle wave. But no audio. And I know in my head I heard hi. You heard her say hi, but uh -huh. she did not say hi. So that way there's no credit. And I also doubt she got a, a five and under line rate. Because if you say up to five lines, it's a certain payment. Oh. If you don't say anything, it's a lot lesser payment. So that's a reason a lot of people don't say anything, too, is they don't have to pay them that higher rate. She might have gotten higher pay just because she was just for, on this episode. Just for, yeah, just battle oh, pay. Oh, come on. We'll pay you, we'll pay you more <laughs> if you, you know, get on this episode. All right, oh, so, my goodness. All right. So we went back and checked that out. Back to your regularly scheduled program. <laughs> So he walks in with his cutie patootie date. Okay, now what do you think Johnny's going to walk in? What, what's Johnny's date going to be? Hmm. hmm. You know what would have been ugly and mean is, uh, is a not good looking woman. That yeah. would have been the ugly, mean thing. So I was really, so really, glad really they didn't do that. hoping they didn't do that. Don't do that. That would just be just ugly and mean. So what did they do? Here comes Kim the guy. He's dressed nicely. Dressed nicely. Looks like probably a nice guy. Now, at, at first, you know, I thought, well... They've played with gender issues before. They've played with, you know, homosexuality before. Is, is he maybe gay? No, we don't think so. We're not getting that vibe necessarily. It's just a guy. But when you start to trace the logic of this story back, right. it gets really, really disturbing. What did he write on that card? Well, what bothered me was, okay, I, I said, Alan, okay, they, they had this contest. Write in why you want to date a DJ. Yeah. And he knows that everybody knew it was two male DJs. And Venus is looking for really lascivious. Yes. And Johnny even sits down and says, hopefully obscene. What did he as choose? A, as a male, would you would you write in on, for a contest with a male DJ? To no. To win a date with a male DJ? I, so why did he even write a postcard even, in the first place? Even if I really, really, really would do anything to get into this concert. But I won't do that. No, I won't do that. I mean, I was thinking, okay, maybe this is a guy that just, he had to have a ticket to see Linda Taylor and he didn't care how he got one, so he's going to write this postcard in. But I don't know. Just all of this, if you, if you pick back at all from any of these storylines, they're just disturbing. But like you said, what the heck yeah. did he write on that postcard mm. to get Johnny to choose it. I'm going to kill Venus. <laughs> Have I mentioned that to you? Oh, yeah. A thousand times. Right. So, okay, that's disturbing. Let's go okay, on. Okay, we're just about out of this. Please get us out of this. All right, so Linda heads out on stage. She tells Andy she'll see him later. Andy says, no, 
He's got a cover for Venus. Does that happen in real life? Would would somebody go in? A, pro, and... a program director covering like that, and in yeah. my experience, yeah, a lot of times the program director comes out of the ranks of DJ. The and you you are a lot of times as a DJ being corrected by the program director. He's telling you different ways to present your stuff on the air, how to intro and outro songs, whatever it might be. So a program director has to have that experience, and it's that really makes sense. It's really hard to have somebody telling you how to do that if he's never done. On that himself. Also, the program director is the boss. So if one of the DJs calls and goes, man, I'm feeling bad. You're going to have to take my shift. Well, the first thing program director is going to do is call a part-timer or call somebody else and see if he can get somebody to cover it. But if he can't, like, you know, if the flu's running rampant through the station or whatever, then the program director winds up having to pull some shifts. And a lot of times, you know, he might be the guy that's opening the station in the morning or closing it at night because he's got to cover those shifts. It's part of being the boss. Yeah, I never knew that. So yeah, there that you makes go. sense. <laughs> you can hear Linda singing. She starts her concert and everybody's going crazy. It sounds like it's a sellout. And Andy grabs his pad of paper off of the dressing room table. So he puts up there that sorry and and breakup by note is as bad as breakup by text. Sorry, Pecos Bill says good luck, so don't drag the dog into this. Love (laughs) Andy. And Linda is singing the worst possible dedication to somebody you love. We she, and she, you hear her say, "I'd like to dedicate this song to someone very special to me." You know, and she's you know talking Andy. about Andy. You know, yeah. it's Andy. And then, okay, if if the this song is not bad enough, the, and of which the title is "Kiss Our Last Hello Goodbye." I look at you one more time. I don't know that I know you Our time and space seems so out of place But your face seems like yesterday You dedicate this to somebody you care about? Yeah, that you what love? do you say? Let's go on our way. Come on, the fun's on me. But, but baby, if, if it, it don't, don't work, work out, out this time, time You and me were never meant to be Now hold on a minute. Does that sound Maybe you and me never meant to be Just maybe think of me in a while. Ah. You and me were never meant to be. There's a little fingerprint on there. We could not find anything out about this song, but I really believe this was written by Hugh Wilson. Hugh Wilson likes to write lyrics. Right. And there's that line, you and me were never meant to be. Right. And then and then I guess this is the chorus. So I'll just kiss our last hello goodbye. Don't look back. Keep moving on. Kiss, kiss our, our last hello, hello goodbye. goodbye. You were right for me, but I was wrong. You, know, you were what? right for me, but I was wrong. Why she keeps she doing that. that. You were right for me, but I was wrong. Yes, we agree with you, Linda. We agree with you, Linda. But why are you singing this? Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Are we, we ready to shut this thing down? Uh, oh, what? God. Are we done yet? <laughs> so they, they give us the song over the clothes, and we get more of the walking in the park crap, which, oh. As so. she's singing this song. Yes. And, and that's surprise, how they. Surprise, surprise. Andy didn't leave. Yeah. Andy stayed. What? Really? All right, so thankfully we got Tom Wells saving us at the end with the closing credits, and then those people that were filling in for our regular KRP people were smiling at us. I don't know who they were. They said they were Frank Bonner and Lonnie Anderson and Jan Smithers, I don't know. I don't know who they were. Uh, I, just, right. I just want the next show, please. Let's get out of this one. What's up next week? Mama's Review. 
Mama pays a visit to the station to see how things are going since the format change. Yes, and this is not the mama we know from uh, Pilot Part One. We're right, going to meet know, a whole new mama. Enough has gone by that I just I yeah. I wonder how many people noticed it sure. because they kind of look similar but oh but this one's so much more fun oh th- yes yeah. this, this is a good mama okay so that's going to do it for this episode of the wkrp cast we thank you for joining us remember if you want to watch along check our show notes got a question comment or correction let us know about it write us at wkrpcast at gmail.com thanks for listening to the wkrp cast remember to rate and review us in your favorite podcast app may the good news be yours WKRP cast is not endorsed by MTM Enterprises, Shout Factory, or CBS. This podcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. WKRP in Cincinnati, the WKRP logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of WKRP in Cincinnati characters are registered trademarks of MTM, CBS, Shout Factory, or their respective copyright holders. Almost forgot, fellow babies. Booger!